This is the Pathways to Greatness podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Forrester. What if you were able to collapse time on learning all the valuable success life skills that you've learned over the past 10, 20, 30 years. Well, at Highlight Coaching and Consulting, that's exactly what we do. We focus on coaching teens and young adults the valuable success life skills that we've all had to figure out over decades of our life. Our mission statement at Highlight is, it's our mission to equip youth with an undeniable sense of clarity and direction that inspires a lifetime of confidence, resilience, and continuous improvement. We offer in-person and virtual options to our one-on-one private coaching, as well as group coaching. And after working with a coach from Highlight, our clients have a better understanding of their mission, their vision, their values for their life, and a higher proficiency in the skills of time, task, and distraction management, just to name a few. So the other thing that's great about Highlight is we have multiple coaches that you and your young person can choose from because a connection is so important and building trust is where it all begins. So if you're looking to help your teen and your young adult get further in life a lot faster, reach out to Highlight Coaching and Consulting today. The information is in the show notes below. In this episode, I have the privilege to speak to Dr. Shelby Hill, and you'll hear how we met, and I was impressed with Dr. Shelby as soon as I heard him speak and what he shared, and in this conversation today, it will not disappoint, just like it didn't disappoint me when I heard him the first time, and it's it's very interesting to hear his definition of greatness and how forward thinking that it is because it's a it's a feeling and not something and then you got to look back over the body of time and feel good about your progress and we talk a lot about that because so many times we just focus on where we're at right now and not where we've come from the other thing that he talks about is creating a clear vision and then making a decision to get into action And then he also shares the F factor, and this is something that if you have a business or you just want to talk to him further, I would highly encourage you to reach out to him to learn more about it. But he talks about feelings, feedback, follow-up, and follow-through. Without further ado, Dr. Shelby Hill. Dr. Shelby, I really appreciate, I know we've been playing back and forth since we first got together, or we were actually going to meet in person to have breakfast or lunch, but you're extremely busy and then I've been busy. And so uh, this is actually fun because this will be completely organic. So all the questions I probably would have asked you over breakfast or coffee, I get to ask you now. Okay. (laughs) I'm excited to be here. All right. (laughs) I'm glad it worked out. Yep. And then uh, for you and for the listeners, you know, I've got some kind of crud going on. So forgive me for my voice. And I may be muted in and out so that way you don't hear me coughing if that happens. But I couldn't postpone this because um, I was first introduced to Dr. Shelby at a Rotary meeting that I just happened to go as a guest. And it was filled with a lot of wisdom and a lot of great information. And so as I was listening to him talk, 
I just immediately knew that he would add value, not only to me to, to talk to him further, but to the listeners as well. So thank you, Dr. Shelby. Uh, thanks, Jeff, man. I appreciate that. Very kind words. I appreciate it. No problem. Well, before we get into the nitty gritty and we get into the serious stuff, I always like to start these with something fun. So I like to play Would You Rather. I love that game. All right. Well, this is a good one. <laughs> it was a right. great icebreaker. Yes. Would you rather freeze time or go back in time? Uh, I go back in time. Okay. Back. Why so? You know, there's uh, different experiences I would want to have, different people I want to meet, um, different uh, events I want to witness. Um, so, yeah, that that would be my those would be my primary reasons for wanting to go back in time. OK, yeah, not to not to correct any mistakes I've made or anything like that. I think that any mistakes or things I would have done differently, uh, you know, it, it, it wouldn't have led me to where I am today. So I definitely wouldn't change anything. But I would it's, definitely look to, uh, observe some stuff. Yeah. And that's one of the things that a lot of people have shared is around what you just shared is I don't want to change anything. I mean, we all have potentially some regrets, but we also see what those failures led to. And it's yeah. that awareness and that awakening that we need. And a lot of times we just need to be hit across the face with a two by four. I know for me, I ignored the whispers and just needed something to smack me across the face. And so many people like yourself share that same sentiment of, I just want to observe. And I did have one gentleman, I really liked it. He goes, I want to go back to the special times in life that I maybe was overwhelmed and didn't get to appreciate, like my wedding day, like the day that my kids were born. And I thought that was really special and neat as well. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, those are great examples. Um, it's interesting, Jeff, because I... I really do try to be present in almost anything that I do, especially those special occasions. So I think that that's pretty cool that he recognized that maybe at that time he he wasn't as present as he would have liked to be. But I do try to be conscious of that. But there's just so much history specifically in this country that makes this country what it is today. And when you think about there's just the, the, the series or a variety of events that have happened over the decades and decades, is pretty fascinating. So it'd be really cool to just kind of be invisible, but present at any of those events. Yeah. And the other thing when you were talking that I thought of is that gives us an opportunity to see the progress that we've made, yeah. not only within ourselves, but as a society, as broken as it still is, yeah. I feel like we've made massive strides to improve where we're at today. That's a good, good point. It's hard to see when we're in it every day though. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. I think um, even if you just look back 10 years ago, we've society wise, we have made some leaps and bounds. Um, so, I mean, just in technology alone um, is really driving this, this, this world, this country. Um, and I think even from a socialistic point of view, you know, I think there's more, there's more compassion for people than we've ever had, uh, more collaboration and connection with people, I think more so than we've ever had. And I think there's more, and this is just my, through my lens and my experience, I think that there's more, more effort or consciousness to try to better understand people who they are for who they are than, than what we have in the past. So. And, and it's unfortunate that we, we hear the extremes of the both sides that aren't, 
the compassionate ones. It's the, you're either right or you're wrong. And that doesn't matter which side of the aisle or which side of the, the specific topic that you're talking about, but the bell curve, most of us live in the middle, but we don't make the most noise about it. It's the other two ends that do. So, <laughs> okay. So we, that's a whole nother conversation. That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> that's like a six hour multi buffet meal. Um, okay. Right. So the next one, would you rather live without music or TV? Gosh, that's really good. Damn. I'm going to say uh, TV. Okay. I'll live, I'll live without TV. You know, it's so TV on one end can obviously be compelling and engaging, but it, it can also be a time suck, right? So it can t totally like derail you in, in productivity and, and things to that nature. So that's how I look at TV. I, I even to this day, I try not to, I try to schedule, uh, I know it sounds crazy, but I try to schedule like what shows or when I want to watch certain shows. Because think about it, Jeff, the way uh, TV shows are written today, they are written to keep you glued episode after episode after episode. So um, before you know it, it's three, four, six hours, eight hours later, and I, I can't afford to do that. <laughs> I can't afford to do that. So, um, so music to me is calming. Uh, music, you know, tells stories. It helps me kind of wallow in my imagination a little bit. Uh, it kind of helps set a mind. You know, I can change music to to be stimulating or calming. Uh, so, yeah, music allows me to do other things simultaneously. TV just kind of keeps me stationary. So, right. And sometimes I think it's fun. And when you were talking about that binge, mm -hmm. is that you know, for you and I growing up, it was mm -hmm. you had to wait if you wanted to watch a show. It yes. was Thursday night at eight. And if you couldn't yes. make it, you tried to figure out how to set the VCR to record it, but it was never successful. <laughs> and, but so you were true. able to go about and do your, you just had to section off. It's like, okay, I got 22 minutes, whatever, to yep. be able to watch this show. Because usually the show before or after, you're like, I don't really like those shows. And I'll yeah. do my things and just focus for 30 minutes and then I move on. And now, like you said, you start one, you're like, okay, I got to watch another one. Yeah, it's, it's it's terrible. I mean, you know, so unless now, the, the good thing about it is because of all the tools and Netflix and how they can just play episode after episode, what is cool, though, is if you want to take a Monday off from work and you're like, I just want to catch up on my shows, you can totally do that. Nothing wrong with that, you know? So, um, I mean, you know, if it's PDO or you know, a, a legit time off from work, but there, there isn't anything wrong with it. I just know, and I have, I have definitely done that too. I've definitely been guilty of, you know, taking a Saturday or a Sunday or even a Monday, just kind of vegging out on the show. So nothing wrong with that either. Nope. We got to recharge as well. Okay. Yeah. So the next one, would you rather go out to eat or cook at home? Oh, both of those are good, but I like going out to eat though. I, okay. I can go pretty quickly. <laughs> Where, where do you like to go? Like, what are some of your favorite places to go? Yeah, so here locally, um, you know, uh, for whatever reason, we've tried uh, a variety of steak places, steakhouses here. 
um, like Crest Downtown is one of our favorite ones and Capitol Grill and Millennia is really good. Uh, but mainly for like the ambience, and it just so happens that the, the food is really good. Eddie V's is really good. Um, there's a place over in our area called Crispin Green that um, I really enjoy, you know, their, uh, you know, healthy food options. So, man, seafood, there's the wharf over at um, uh, Margaritaville in uh, Kissimmee. So they have great seafood there. So, yeah, I just plugged about a good three or four cool spots yeah no that's good well have you um have you been to maple street biscuit company since they opened i have i have yeah that's like the antithesis to crisp and green it 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 really is it really is uh yeah they don't they don't hold back at all about (laughs) the food the the quality of food that they serve i mean it it is delicious um but me personally i couldn't I couldn't eat there every day, not at all. Oh goodness, yeah, no, I can't either. <laughs> That's okay. more of a treat, more of a treat if anything. Yeah. So the last one's food specific as well. Would you rather have pizza or tacos? Man, Jeff, those are good. Those <laughs> are really, really good. Gosh, I'm gonna go with pizza though. Okay. Something about a good pizza, good crust. Um, I I I I'm not going to claim to proclaim to be this uh, diehard vegetarian, but you know I kind of vacillate, so I don't eat a lot of meat anymore. But um, but I love a good pepperoni and cheese pizza. <laughs> I'm with I, you. Yeah, and unfortunately, like I I kind of and maybe you you could relate to this. Like I've kind of gotten away from a lot of the more uh, mainstream. Uh, uh, pizza joints like you know Papa John's and Domino's and all those, and I've found that more of those just kind of uh, family-owned um, pizza spots that uh, are not commercialized are fantastic. Like mm-hmm. that's that good home-cooked Jersey style or Chicago style or New York style pizza, and um, and so that's what I appreciate. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm in yeah. full agreement with you. Yeah. All right, Dr. Shelby, thank you for playing along and and hopefully that warmed you up a little bit, but then also, you know, got, you know, gave, gave the audience a little bit more of, of who Dr. Shelby is. So I know I've explained to you what the pathways to greatness is, but in case somebody's joining the show, that's new, the purpose of me starting this podcast was to help people see that everybody has a different definition of greatness and that the pathway to reach greatness isn't linear. We all know that there's ups and downs, twists and turns, challenges along the way. And my ultimate goal is to bring people like yourself to share value and wisdom to others so they just don't quit, so they can hear your story or the things that you use to try to move yourself towards greatness that they can then apply to their lives. So that's the purpose of the podcast. And and you're highly qualified to be mm-hmm. someone to to come in here and speak, just like I think everybody is, mm-hmm. um, because everybody has a story to tell. Everybody's perspective is different. So, Dr. Shelby, what would you say your definition of greatness is? Well, um, I, greatness to me is more of a a feeling, um, and what I mean by that is if I can look back. Uh, over my body of work 
over a period of time, whether it's a semester, uh, six months or a year or years, and feel good about it, knowing that, um, you know, I've strived, I've been resilient, um, I've been collaborative, I've been giving as well as I was able to receive, and I've helped others as uh, along the way. Um, so, you know, that I feel fulfilled, then that's, to me, that's what my definition of greatness is. And it's, I think it's a great question because I don't know that we think about that every day. And I don't know, I, I guess I don't know, I don't know that we really put it on the forefront. Like, I don't know if people wake up and say, I'm going to be great today. But I do wake up and say, man, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be intentional today. I'm going to give my best today. I'm going to make sure that I, you know, I reach out to these people. I support this, this cause or this group. Um, I make sure I follow up and touch base with, you know, the people that I'm working with, you know, so, uh, and, and all those things do lead up to success and, and greatness. So um, that's what, that's, that's how I would define greatness for myself. And I like what you, you shared and I hope people heard it was subtle is waking up every day and saying, I'm going to be great today, or I feel great today, or um, this is a great day to me. Like even when you said it and when I say it, you already have a smile on your face. Yeah. And we there's proof through, you know, NLP neurolinguistics um programming is that you can reprogram your brain to think differently. And if you say positive things over and over, guess what? You start to believe them. Yes. And that just like the opposite, if you tell yourself that, oh, I'm dreading today, guess what? today's not going to go very good. And there's something great that happens in everybody's day. I, man, I love that. And it's so funny because um, one of the things I do every morning, I'm like really, morning, uh, mornings are where my energy is, my frequency is high. Usually after about two o'clock, it dips. <laughs> but I do my walks, I'll, I'll get up, I'll walk or I'll exercise in some way, shape or form. And it is interesting, specifically on Mondays, coming off of the weekend, you know, you completely checked out, disconnected from all the work stuff. So Mondays are sometimes really hard to get, you know, revved up again. But for me, Jeff, I find like my mindset in the morning on Mondays, it can go, I can go to, you know, I can go, well, man, it's Monday, it sucks. I don't feel like working. Or I can say, man, you know, it's Monday. I had a great weekend. Um, you know, here's what I get to do today and this week. Um, so let me shift my mindset so that I can make it an awesome day. Uh, and then that can spill over a cascade into an awesome week. So yeah, it is, it is a mindset for sure. And, and I'm a big fan of you, you are what you tell yourself. Good for or bad. sure. You are what you tell yourself. And that's a good segue to my first question was in your opinion, cause I've followed and I've, I've, observed some of the messages that you share. So how do you think fear of rejection holds people back from achieving greatness? Yeah, rejection is a powerful, it's a powerful thing. I, I don't even know what to call it. Is it a, is rejection a noun or is it a verb? <laughs> I think it's a verb. <laughs> <laughs> You've been rejected. I don't know. Um, but think about it. Um, when, when, rejected it's so much you've whatever whatever it is whether it's a job whether you you don't make a 
uh, you know, the football team, the basketball team, or you don't get accepted into a group or a college, whatever it is, whatever led us to want to pursue that thing or that person, if it's a relationship, and we get denied, you put so it's rejection. You've let up. There's a level of vulnerability that takes place for us to be able to put ourselves out there for to be accepted. And so when we are rejected or not upset, accepted, I think it's just such a um, it's a psychological crush. And when I mentioned before, like resilience, if if you don't have a, I think, a strong foundation of who you are and understand your intentions for why you're pursuing what you're pursuing, um, rejection can absolutely paralyze you um, from ever doing anything else because it's just not, it's, it's, it's just not a good feeling um, because it does get into your head. It, it makes you question, you, you know, second guess your thoughts, your, your, your um, which cascades into your feelings which then cascades into your behavior and actions. And because we don't want that feeling anymore, oftentimes we just don't do things um, that may um, you know, put us in a position to be rejected. So we play it safe, right? Because we can control the narrative a little bit better or we can control the outcomes of this a little bit better. And some people, and I know some people like this, they're like, if I do nothing, then I can't fail. And I just, I, I don't judge. I just say that that's a tough way to live, right? If you just don't take any risk to experience any kind of success. So you talked about feelings and that's crippling. And there's a lot of people that have shared. So this is not an original statement from me is that emotions are a terrible leader. Um, and that's where those feelings come from because they are fleeting and they do change. How do you help people overcome that part that is holding them back like you said whether it's a relationship if it's a job interview if it's going for that next promotion what are the things that you help people do to navigate that so it's a, it's a couple of things one um i think we it's hard to 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 make any moves if you don't have a, a very clear vision about where you want to go and that could be in any capacity, if it's, you know, if it's just, um, you know, wanting to get uh, promoted in your job, you know, you got to know what, what the position is, the next position is, and what that position entails, and how to prepare for that, and the reason why you want to, you know, um, go uh, apply for that position. I just think that the vision is, is huge, and when we don't have that, um, it's just too easy to get lost, and and um, off track and, you know, we start taking these very uh, long roads around trying to reach our journey or our destination, but we don't necessarily know what that is. And so that makes it really difficult um, to, to be grounded. So there's um, that part. The other part is when I work with people, it's more um, because I'm a you know, certified uh, professional coach, I embody the coaching skills that they're transferable skills that show up in life, work, relationships, and, and, and everything. But I do ask, I like to ask questions, but not just you know random questions, but questions with purpose. But one of my favorite questions to ask, Jeff, is 
And I learned this um, through the school um, where I got my certification from IPEC, Institute of Professional Excellence in Coaching, is it's not a question that you ask someone right away. It's the question that you ask, uh, you know, over a conversation with that person and you feel like they're on the cusp of, you know, under, they understand their vision and they're on the cusp of maybe making a decision to get into action about whatever it is that they're in pursuit of. Um, and I asked that question. The question is, you know, is the pain to stay greater than the pain to go? Right. So, and that can be applied to anything. It can be applied to um, a, a bad relationship. It can be applied to um, being in a company or, or in a job or in a position that you just, you know, despise, but you, you know, you don't want to go out here in the job market and start interviewing. If the pain is greater, if the pain to stay is greater than the pain to go, then to me, that is a great indicator that you need to get in action. And so that's where I coach those feelings because I think that it helps put it in perspective. If it's that great emotionally, then that means that change is necessary and arguably inevitable. And that's where you have to help people uh, kind of connect the dots between that logic and those emotions uh, which can turn into actions. That's really good. And, and again, I hope everybody heard that question is the pain to stay worse than the pain to go. And when you were talking about that, the phrase that came to my mind is the devil, you know, is worse than the devil. You don't. Yep. So then yep. for everybody that heard <laughs> that and is immediately evaluating, it's like, well, the pain to go is much worse than where I'm at right now. Are you staying where you're at right now? Because it, it's comfortable, it's what you know, and it's what you've gotten used to. And then it goes back to what you shared earlier, is fear keeping you from moving into that? So how do you help people evaluate the difference between the pain to stay and the pain to go so they see, is it real or are they just imagining it because of just the fear of doing something new and different? Yeah, you know, I think, you, that's a good point. Like it's sometimes it's um, the it's change, right? So it's the fear of change. And so if I'm going to change, it means that I have to do something new or different, a new and different. Um, but change is just uh, we all receive change a little bit differently than than the next person. And so um, I don't think that there's any real scientific way, at least not on my end, of helping people kind of delineate, um, you know, whether this feeling of the, the devil I know is is, is uh, better than the devil that I don't know, other than to let's say, okay, let's just do something really simple. Let's just do the little T exercise of advantages and disadvantages, right? So here's the advantages and disadvantages of staying in this, staying with this company. And then what are the potential advantages and disadvantages of going to a new company, right? And then, you know, we write them, write down all of those things. And then it's just a compare and contrast. And then along that way, which is one of my favorite parts of, of uh, working with people in this, in this regard, then you start to challenge, like, you know, gently, um, but conversationally challenge what that individual may feel to be a disadvantage or an advantage based on what they share because now these are their words this is this is these are their fears or their concerns or you know here's what they see to be um 
uh, motivators. And so you just kind of go through and challenge some of that stuff because some of that stuff is really limiting beliefs. And we know, Jeff, that limiting beliefs typically stem from childhood, right? Or even, even rejection stems from childhood and all of that stuff bubbles up to us as adults. So that's kind of how we, uh, that is how we, we, we address that. And the point is not always uh, is there going to be a case where me and a client or even a friend, if we're just, uh, if, if they wanted some support in that way, are going to come to a decision doing that particular exercise. But the objective ultimately is to help them um, kind of do a, pair, a pivot in terms of how they see things, right? Because what we see, we tend to believe that it is reality, but then it's kind of like, how true is the narrative that I'm telling myself about that reality? that I perceive. So, and that's, that's the fun part to me because that's when the aha moments come in and they're like, oh, well, I thought that that was true, but I guess maybe it's not as true as I think it was, I thought it was. So. See, and what's wonderful about that, that Dr. Shelby shares is the fact that if, if he's working with you or you have another good coach that's working with you, they're not going to tell you what to do. You're going to have to face that yourself and, be ready to be challenged of how you think and how you want to show up. And if you want new things out of life, you can't continue to be the same person you've always been. It's absolutely impossible. Yes. I don't care what anybody else says. If you're looking to continue on, like he shared, is you've got to be willing to face what's holding you back and be willing to step through that. And it's only painful for a little bit because I've done it. It yeah. feels like we talked about at the very beginning, when you're in the moment, you just feel bogged down, frustrated, but that moment is fleeting that one day you will be able to look back. It could be, could be a day. It could be a week. It could be a year, yeah. but have that perseverance to continue to move towards greatness. So like you said, when you look at your definition, when you look back, you can be really proud of yourself. Um, I, I, one of the pivotal books that helped me in a big transition was David Goggins can't hurt me. And mm. he talked about having a cookie jar. And these are those cookie jar moments that you work through, put that in the cookie jar. So when you have that day that is challenging and you don't think you can make it, go look in the cookie jar and see all those things that you've been able to accomplish along the way. I also heard it phrased from another friend, blue marbles. Have you heard of that? I haven't heard of blue marbles. Okay. So I ended up, I have a jar of blue marbles. I know you can see it, but nobody oh, else can see nice. it. So it's the same thing. So when you make a commitment to yourself to do something, you move a blue marble from one jar to the next. So at the end of the week or end of the day, depending on what you're trying to do, you can take inventory. A, if you remember to do it, that's one challenge. <laughs> and B, that you have that opportunity to say, holy smokes, I didn't want to drink Diet Coke this week or or whatever it may be. And you said, okay, I'm just going to put a blue marble in there every time I drink a Diet Coke. So then you can take inventory of what you're doing. But also if you want to drink water, then you put that in there. So then that gives you that visual reminder of what you're doing. So it's good to have positive reinforcement is really where that blue marble is. So in the corporate world, it's the same thing. If you're doing things well, then people have the opportunity to drop a blue marble in the jar. 
I love that, Jeff. That's great. I've heard of that concept. Um, but I, I I like the Blue Marvel thing. I think you said a few things, right? There's kind of going back to your original uh one your uh uh would you would you rather questions, and that is, you know, the reason why I wouldn't go back in the past, um, why I would want to go in the past but not change anything is for that very reason, because there are struggles that we've had that make us who we are um that I wouldn't want to change uh because they are you know they are a part of who I am the challenge that I don't know that we do enough of is self-reflect right mm -hmm. so that we can go to the cookie jar and remember that hey wait a second this feels a little familiar you know this uncomfortable space or this scenario at work uh this conflict or whatever and you're not sure how to deal with it, but the reality is, is, is if you go back and, like you said, look in your cookie jar, shake out some things, you'll be able to say, oh, this is similar to that. And so you have a, a framework, if you will, or even some tools in the cookie jar that you can apply. So it's just reflecting and, and re recalling that we, we do have the tools to do or get to the next level that we need to get to. We just have to remember how to recall those tools. So I, I love that. How do you coach people on that that recollection circle or that habit of rec, you know just having that self reflection? How do you help people get into that positive loop? Well, um, you know it's it's all a, a progressive process. I think uh, for me, I know that it's important to me when, when people come to me professionally uh, to work with me uh, from um, as a coach. Um, I coach a lot of C-suite leaders um, in organizations uh, in small and mid-sized businesses, and it's really meeting them where they are. So you may come to me with a problem with building trust within your team, right? Um, but 99% of the time, Jeff, that th there's really, really a um, that's really a symptom to an underlying uh, like root cause of something. And I've just always found that none of it's, uh, what's the word I want to use? None of it's, uh, it's rarely is it mutually exclusive, right? Like whatever's happening at home oftentimes shows, shows up at, at work in some way, shape, or form. Just like whatever happens at work sometimes shows up in our behaviors at home. So um, when we talk about those things and, and um, you know how how do how do we address the 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 surface issue? It often starts with self awareness, mm -hmm. and that's where I start with everybody, because we don't we don't look in the mirror at ourselves that often. Uh, and so I think when it, so I may be answering your question the long way, but keep me on track if I am. Um, so that's where I start. I start with that self awareness pace. You know, um, you can ask someone, so how are things at home? And I ask, I ask every client that. And they're they're not expecting it, right? And so when you shift their when they have that paradigm shift right there, it's just completely they don't know whether to put their guard up or to let it down. But one or two questions in, it's like they needed to have that conversation about what's happening at home because this is how we're showing up at work. And so then we start the, the you know the 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 juices start flowing, 
the trust starts to, to build, and then we're able to now recall different scenarios, you know, over your life that might be able to support you in this space that you're currently in. Did everybody uh, just hear that? I mean, that was that was so good because what I took from that is you can't silo work and home. Yeah. It it blends together. And sometimes it flows more over into it than not. Just like I'm not a fan of work-life balance. Yep. It's yep. impossible. It I don't is. care what anybody says. To me, it's work-life organization. How do you how do you organize the two to connect? And people, I just want you to hear what Dr. Shelby shared is that you have to be self-aware of if you have a short response with your family what is, where's that coming from? Are you stressed because of work, a business deal went sideways, you're having an HR issue, something that's causing you there and vice versa. Is there something at home um, that's causing you to have a negative response at work? And the other thing is, is there something just with you? Do you just not feel good today? Yeah. I was listening to a podcast before we got on and this is a CEO of several hundred million dollar companies and he's like, I tore my bicep working out one day and I came to work and my, my admin who's been with me forever, it's like, dude, you are being horrible to everybody. And he's like, well, you know, I tore my, my tricep during my workout yesterday. She goes, that's not our problem. That's your problem. <laughs> so you need to show up better to yeah. all these people because you're creating problems that you're going to have to deal with down the line if you don't work on it today. So that self-awareness piece is so important that if you tore your bicep, just tell everybody, say, look, I'm just going to be up front. It's not, I'm not asking for an excuse of my, my behavior in the event that I do that, please let me know because I just don't feel good today. And that leads me to my next question that I, that I picked up from one of your recent posts is how can feedback be helpful in moving people along their way and their pathway to greatness? Yeah, no, I, I like what you just, uh, how you summed up that last piece and feedback, man, Jeff, it's, 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 in my opinion, it's, um, it's one of the most, uh, I think, powerful tools or resources that we have as people. I don't think that I don't think that this country or this world evolves without feedback. Uh, we we have to have um, people around us to be able to uh, share things with and get um, feedback about it, right? So that we can improve, or maybe it's something that we need to scrap, or maybe we need to, um, you know, redevelop it, uh, revise it. Um, whatever it is, but I think that feedback, uh, it absolutely helps shape us. Our experiences in, in themselves shape us, right? Uh, but also the perspective and perceptions of other people about us also shape us. Um, so, you know, that's, that's to me invaluable. So, you know, should feedback be constructive and healthy? Absolutely, absolutely. Because on on the other side of that, when feedback is constructive and healthy, then it's encouraging, right? It's it's motivating. It's inspirational. 
just like the other side, when feedback is destructive and unhealthy, like for example, someone tells you what you hear this, unfortunately, with kids all the time, where, you know, a teacher or a coach would say, you know, you're never going to be anything or you're not smart or, you know, think about hearing something like that at a, as a five-year-old or a 12-year-old or even a 15-year-old kid. That's a, that's not feedback that's going to, you know, that's going to change a life adversely. It's not going to change a life uh, in a positive way. And, and I think that we, uh, as, as leaders, as parents, as leaders in the community, um, as peers, we have a responsibility to be um, intentional and constructive, right? Mm -hmm. Healthy in the feedback that we provide people um, so that they can improve. Um, and for, and them, you know, for on themselves and for the people that they support, whether it's at work or or family. So, what are some ways that people can provide constructive feedback? What is, is there a formula? Because I've heard the SBI model, the situation, behavior, and impact, which I think is really good because it removes emotion from providing constructive feedback. What are some of the things that that you suggest people do? Yeah, you know, so one model that has been around has been around for a long time. You're right, the situ, situ, situational model has been around for a while. There's also a STAR model, S-T-A-R, and that stands for situational. You know, explain the situation, right? What, what did you observe? Um, be very clear about that, and then, um, you know, what was the uh, the A is is what actions were taken. Uh, from the, the situation that you observe. And then uh, R is, so what was the result of those actions, right? So um, we use this a lot and I taught this a lot in, uh, when I was in the uh, corporate capacity. And uh, it's a great brief framework to help give observable, effective, constructive feedback for professional development. Um, and so, you know, it, I've, I've also leveraged it as a coaching opportunity. So you could take the same star model and you could talk about the situation. Hey, Jeff, I saw you this morning. You know, here's what I saw. Here's what I observed. That way I bring you, bring uh, what happened this morning to the forefront for you. Here's the action that I observed as well. Uh, and then here's the result of, you know, your action, right? So maybe uh, a report went out late or uh, an appointment was uh, missed. And then it gives me the chance now that, we we're on the same page. I can say so. You know, Jeff, what what's an alternative, right? Like, what what would you have done differently to get a different outcome? And so now it makes it collaborative, right? It's just not me because I'm your supervisor, your boss. I'm telling you, you know, here's your feedback, and now go do something with that. I'm I'm creating a relationship, a, a communicative a relationship between the two of us, so that you can have um buy-in right and the ownership and accountability to your your professional growth so that's one model the star model the other model if i can share this is one that Please. i created, that i created uh over time based off of my experience in the workplace and that is the uh, i call it the f factor and um it's a it's a model essentially for um collaborative accountability, right? And so the F factor includes feelings, uh, feedback, follow-up, and follow-through. And so, you know, when I think about feedback and going back into your rejection piece, 
uh, well, that part is with feelings. And so just the first component of uh, the F model is um, empathy. So we want to empathize with people, you know, acknowledge them, uh, validate that their concerns or fears or whatever uh, are real. And you want to acknowledge that. And then, you know, that that is a great way to, to you know, kind of uh, level set the emotional aspect and even some of the psychological aspect of giving someone constructive feedback so that they can be receptive to it. And then the second part is, you know, you get into the feedback process and that's the communication. And that goes into what I shared with you about it being collaborative, right? It's a partnership. So now we're asking questions. Well, why do you think you did that? What would you have done differently? So it's a communication component to it. And then the third F would be, now that we've communicated, we've worked through it, we've, we, we see that there's some, um, some different pathways that we could have taken, you know, we want to, um, you know, execute these in the future. You know, so now we have the accountability part, which is the follow-up, right? So now that we've agreed um, on, on, a, on a common game plan, let's both be committed to that, right? And then um, I'm going to be able to see as your peer or as your uh, direct leader, I'm going to be able to see some tangible uh, actions that are measurable, observable, so I can support um, you know, your behavior change or, um, yeah, your behavior change so that that can now create, you know, healthier habits and attitudes. And then the last part of that, the, the F factor is um, follow through. And that is the execution of all things that we communicated. We see it to completion. So it's just like the blue marble in the jar, right? If you, <laughs> if you, um, say you don't want to drink Diet Coke, you know, today, and maybe you, um, and maybe you don't, and therefore you can, I think you said, take a marble, marble out when you do, uh, um, uh, see your, your commitment to fruition, then that's great. You can absolutely see and measure that, Hey, I didn't drink any Diet Cokes today. Or you could say, Hey, I got three marbles out and I drank three, you know, three Diet Cokes today. And, you know, and that's and that's that's the reality of it. But there's an accountability to yourself, just like there's an accountability to myself and my direct report or my peers, and my colleagues um, along that way. So feedback from that capacity and that model um, is more of a um, uh, I'd say a second level, uh, second tier of uh, of greater collaboration and, and accountability. And this was what I heard Dr. Shelby talk about at the Rotary that just compelled me so much to, to have this connection with him. So if everybody heard, the F factor includes feelings, feedback, follow up, and follow through. Don't forget that one. That's the big one. It's not just follow through for the person that you're speaking with, but it's for you as well. You need to be as invested as they are. And the other thing while you were talking is this relates to parents. If, yes. if you can start parenting this way, it will change so much because what you're doing is not only is you're helping keeping your emotions down, it helps keep their emotions down. Now, it's not going to eliminate the eye rolls because it's going to be eye rolls the whole time you're working with your kids. What you're doing, though, is you're reinforcing and teaching critical thinking, which is in society is being lost every single day. We want to be told what to do when to do it and how to do it. 
Why? Because it's easier and I don't have to think. I get it. I've said that many times. Like, I just, I just don't want to think. Just, just tell me what I need to do and let's go. And that's, that's somewhat good, but it also, it's a dangerous path to fall into, um, especially as a leader and as a parent, which as a parent, you're a leader as well. And in my opinion, the most important leader that exists. And we've got to be able to create that. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, and I just want to touch on uh, something you said, Jeff, and that is uh, it's so critical. It's, it's So in parenting and, and obviously in, in the workplace, but parenting, I think that specifically the, the F factor um, model can greatly have, um, have a great impact because what kids need is they need that acknowledgement and validation. Right. Um, so because they're feelings, they're all everything is all feelings, I think, at that point when we're kids. And so, you know, then when you do give that feedback, they're sh- you're showing as a parent that you're 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 hearing them, you're understanding them. And so you're able to connect with them by uh, acknowledging their feelings and giving them the feedback. So I, I would imagine that for, for kids that now computes and whatever that feedback that you have as a parent has a greater opportunity to stick. Right. Um, because you've shown that uh, that level of compassion for whatever you, the, the, you know, wherever this kid is, uh, their space is emotionally um, at that time. But where we fail as parents and as professionals is three and four, and that is the follow up and the follow through. Because we can have the validation and we can have the feedback, but you know, just like I know, because we were both kids once upon a time. If mom and dad don't circle back around to make sure that I did it or didn't do it, then, yeah, you know, it was a good talk, right? <laughs> it was a good talk, mom and dad. And, you know, and that's that. Uh, so I think that that follow-up, when you circle back to the kids and say, hey, I just want to follow up on what we talked about. How is that? Is that working out? Do you have any other questions around it? Are you still on track to execute execute with your kids but you know are you still on track to complete your your goal or whatever it is um that shows commitment that shows partnership between you and your kid it is no different than us as adults in the workplace it's the same thing so that's what that, that's what really uh motivated me to create this the, the factor yeah it, it's so good because you said earlier about how as adults we react based on things that happened to us when we were younger. So if you were yelled at, hollered at, and weren't given the opportunity to critically think as an adult, I'm sorry, unless you've taken that decision to change, you're not going to critically think as you get older. Some people are born with it, just like some people are born entrepreneurs of wanting to be adventurers and getting out there. And other ones, look, I'm a good soldier. Just tell me what I need to do and I will nail it, which is okay. That's just, that's where you're at and what you want to do. The other thing that you shared is a lot of people may have heard you with feedback from like giving like negative feedback or developmental feedback. It relates to follow up like positive feedback as well with the follow up and follow through. I mean, how many times in the corporate world have we made, you know, business plans or we've been given an individual development performance plan to continue to excel and not in a negative way, but a positive way. We do it at the beginning of the year around March. 
And then the next time we look at it is next March when we're reviewing our end of the year review. And so when the follow-up's not there and the follow-through's not there, the upfront work, it's pointless and you're spinning your wheels. So either hire a coach like Dr. Shelby or find a way within your organization or within your home to minimize how formal you make that plan to make it easy to follow up on, shorten the time frame, and, and figure out the best ways that work. 100%. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> I always like it when no, everyone's like, okay, that was good. So yeah. that being said, I want to be very respectful of your time. So Dr. Shelby, what would be some final remarks you'd like to leave the audience? Oh my gosh. You know, you started out with uh, asking the question about greatness and what's your definition of greatness. And, you know, I, I want to encourage anybody, kids, teenagers, adults that uh, listen to your podcast. And, you know, as you um, uh, contemplate that question, try not to get caught up in what you think, like what the world is showing you that greatness is, right? You know, greatness is millions of dollars or fancy things, right? Or uh, or greatness is having a certain job title or whatever it is. It's it's that's it, greatness is defined for everyone very differently. But whatever it is that makes you feel uh, completely full inside, um, because you know that you are doing good work uh, for yourself and that that's good work. Um, and good energy and good efforts that's permeating throughout your community or your your sphere of uh, influence, then be good with that. Lean into that. Like that, you you can define what your what what greatness is for you. I wouldn't. I would encourage you not to let. And I I, I, would, I would encourage you not to let society define what greatness is for you. It's just like success, you know, um, which are pretty much synonymous. You know, it's 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 going to be different for all of us. And so, the the sooner you are, the more you are self aware, the more you can understand your ability to be great, and what that looks like for you. I'll quote you hundred percent. I have nothing to add. <laughs> that was so good. So, Dr. Shelby, how can people find you? Yeah, thank you. So, feel free to email me uh, at Shelby at Next Leader Up. Com. If you have any questions, you just want to connect. Um, you can always find me on LinkedIn at um, uh, Dr. Shelby Hill. And uh, also on Instagram at Dr. Shelby Hill. Um, I can be found there as well. The Twitters and TikToks. I can't do Twitter because Twitter is too fast. It's got, I don't have enough to say um, that much <laughs> throughout the day. Uh, I haven't tapped into TikTok yet, but you know, maybe down the road I'll I'll, I'll chime into that a little bit, but those are the main places you can find me. Okay, awesome. Well, everybody, I will have everything that you need to know about Dr. Shelby in the show notes. So if you happen to click on it, um, by all means, everything will be there. And if you don't, and you just want to reach out to me, I'll make it easy. Um, I'll get you connected as, as easy as I possibly can. So that way you can tap into what Dr. Shelby has to say. So Dr. Shelby, hang on one second, but everybody, Dr. Shelby Hill. All right. Thank you so much, Jeff.